Hey, hey, hey. Good morning and welcome to another episode of The Bars of Mars. In this episode, I speak to my my old man, Monty Brett, um, formerly known as Montague Ernest Wentworth Brett. And uh, in this fascinating conversation, we really dig into a couple of uh, anecdotal stories, campfire stories about, uh, you know, about his life and the things that he's done and gone through and seen. Um, also touch on a little bit of wisdom. It was supposed to be a wisdom podcast from the beginning, but um, very, little very little, <laughs> very little wisdom there, but at least we tried. And this is a shout out to Greg Minters, um, Greg Minter Brown. Um, been requesting this episode for a while. So just a shout out to you, my friend. And yeah, I hope everyone else enjoys it. Um, should be coming up for another one soon. I hope that. What do you think? Yeah, as long as I'm alive. I'll if do you're it. alive and well, we can make it yeah, happen. Yeah. I hope you enjoy. Hello, friends, and um, welcome to another episode of the Bars of Mars podcast. I'm sitting here with a very special person who is a dear friend of mine and happens to be my father. Hmm. <laughs> I'll say nothing at this stage. Montague Ernest Wentworth Brett, and um, that's also Lieutenant Colonel. So, Dad, thanks very much for for taking the time to be here with me. I really appreciate it. I just wanted to tell you that it's a Sunday morning, (laughs) and Marla's just grabbed me after I've only had a cup of coffee, but we'll give it a best shot. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, So this episode specifically is um, is going to be what I've what I'm going to term a wisdom episode, and. So, Dad, how old are you? Eighty nine and going strong. Eighty nine <laughs> and going strong. No, seventy nine. Seventy nine. I beg your pardon. Seventy nine. Yeah, yeah, no wonder. My brain's going. <laughs> seventy nine and going strong. Seventy nine and going strong. So, seventy nine years on the earth has obviously, you've learnt you've learnt a thing or two. And the earth has learnt a few things too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, I think just to just to start off, um, can you tell, can you tell us a little bit about the life that you've led? You know, where have you, yeah, where have you right. spent time? What have you done? Well, um, let's, let's even go back earlier than that. I think yeah. that I've had a fantastic time on Earth. I think if we look back again in history, uh, I was sort of in between the end of the World, world, world War II and, uh, the, and the coronavirus. <laughs> and uh, we've had a wonderful time. You know, everything was good. Everything improved. The economies. Uh, it, it was just a good time on Earth. Uh, you always get it in between bad times. So I've I've had a hell of a chunk of good time. So you were born in 1941. 1941. Yeah. What was happening around that that time? Well, it was the end of the of the Second World War. There was still a lot of food shortages and commodity shortages, but from then on, we all just went from strength to strength. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, a good time. time it's a good time yeah. to be on the earth. Put it that yeah, way. Yeah. I wouldn't like to be a, a teenager now in, in any, any part of the world. There's no jobs. The economy is going to hell. We've, we're, we're ruled by these slimy, lying politicians. Mm. And we're just being led around by the nose. When are we going to wake up and do something that's right for us? And the well, earth, yeah. when I say us, yeah. I'm no, including I'm with you on that. Mother Earth. But I think, I think we are going through, we're going through that, that transition period now. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope well, so. I mean, look at look at everything that's going on. The coronavirus has caused huge, oh, huge problems. No, I mean it's been it's been the it's been the tipping point. Yes, to... because we've been led around by the nose. We've got to have lockdown. 
There's far less yeah. people die of a normal flu epidemic. For God's sakes, there mm. was some very interesting statistics the other day. Roughly 300 people a day die in South Africa from AIDS, roughly. Roughly uh, 250 die from tuberculosis. Roughly, uh, I think it's 200 people die a day of cancer. And so it goes down. Mm. Four people a day die, drown. Three people a day die from corona. For God's sakes. Yeah, yeah. And I heard a absolutely amazing statistic. The hundred odd thousand that died in Italy, over 50% of them were over the age of 86. Well, they're hanging on to life with a fingernail <laughs> at that stage. For God's sakes, they need to fall off the edge. So what's the big deal? Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Just get rid of the oldies. Shake the branch, let them fall off. Okay, cool. Let's not get get too caught up in the the corona. But basically, the long and the short of it is, you think that things are getting better, but you you think that people need to wake up. Things are getting worse now. Well, yeah. Things are getting worse. Basically, the big problem is we've got too many people in this world. Just too Mm. many. We can't feed it. We're destroying the earth that we live on. I mean, the two most important things are water and air. And we're despoiling them at the greatest speed you can ever imagine. Mm. Are we mad? I think we are. Yeah, yeah I absolutely. think so too. So we're going to have to suffer. Simple as that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, I'm let's, glad let's, I'm out of let's, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's not, um, let's not you know, speak about too much doom and gloom. Okay. Um, you want health and happiness. Health and happiness. Good. So I think, yeah, let's, let's, hear, let's hear about what, what you've lived through and... Yeah, what you you know? Where have you gone in life? What have you experienced? Oh, you know, I've been you've very lucky, Marlo. I was in in the, in the world when travel was really the greatest thing, and I've done an enormous amount of traveling around the world, not with any specific idea in mind, but just to travel and and broaden one's mind. But I was in hmm. the day when you when I went to the airport, I had to wear a suit, so you know that's a different attitude. You had to, when you went away, you had to look smart. And uh, so I had to get on the aircraft with a suit on. It's a hell of a uh, yeah, different to these days. Yeah. Go on a t-shirt and a yeah, hoodie. Yeah, not, not, not in my day. And where did was, you travel and where did you enjoy? Oh, I enjoyed everywhere. I think out of all the countries that I preferred, other than London, which I think everybody loves and it, it's the center of the earth, I would think Rome. I loved Italy. I loved the food. Mm. I liked the people. I liked South America, certain parts of South America. Which which parts of South America? Uh, I I liked Brazil. Mm. I liked Brazil. Where which which areas specifically? In the jungle. I liked the jungle. Mm. There were lots of things that bit me and all that, but it was quite nice. Uh, interesting from my point of view. Um, you know, a village is a village is a village is a village. But have they got nice food, interesting food, interesting customs, etc., etc. So, yeah, that's what I enjoyed. And and just if you could name at a high level, where have you gone? Is it is it mostly Europe? Um, yes, I think mostly Europe. Australia? Most, yes, went to Australia, New Zealand. Um, mostly all over Europe. Uh, yeah, mostly over, over Europe. You know... Belgium, Holland, Italy, France, Portugal, Spain, uh, you know, Greece, you know, all those sort of places. North yeah. America, South America. I did North America, 
to an extent from east to west um, and I went up as far as the Arctic Circle in in, in Canada um, and down to down to Mexico where I spent a couple of nights in jail there. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, that's, another, that's a story for another That's another time. story, okay, yeah. geez. And um, yeah, so I've been around, had a good look around and I reckon that South Africa has got everything I want. Yeah. It really has. Mm. It's not mm. perfect, but it's damn close to perfect. Okay, well, that's interesting. And then, so you've obviously done a lot of traveling and, you know, being a, you were a, you were a lieutenant colonel in the parachute battalion. Yeah, two, so, no, two para. Two para. Yeah. And for those, for those of, you know, us who don't actually know much about the parachute battalion, um, I'll just do a, a high level. It's, it's basically one of the toughest um, military units to get into and to, you know, become a part of in South Africa. Uh, you jump out of airplanes, behind, you land behind enemy lines. Um, most of the jumping was done at night, I believe. And, um, you know, a hell of a very, very tight-knit unit of, of pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty specialised guys. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty good thing. Not, it wasn't the only tough unit. The Navy Diving School, hey, they produce fantastic. In other words, what they try to do is they try to get rid of the weak and the... The lily livered and you know the the mm. puffs. Yeah. So uh, they they do their best. So you've got you've got two weeks of PT and three weeks of training, and they try to really bust you in that time. Can you tell us about the the training and and the... Well, let me tell you about busting you. When you arrive there, the, once you step into the property, you have to run. Under all circumstances, you run. Even if you're standing still, you still got to run. You stand in the queue for a meal, you've got to run. You go to the toilet, you've got to run. <laughs> so, you know, that, and, and every morning there's inspection and your bed has got to be absolutely perfect. So as a result, you don't sleep on your bed, you sleep on the floor next to your bed, so you've got less work to do. So it, it just becomes extremely hard to, to stay in. And then, of course... As they, you get closer to the five weeks, the people decide they don't want to stay in. I had a pal that was next to me. He wrapped his foot in a wet towel and gave me his shove, his pick handle and asked me to whack him on the on the ankle to break his ankle to get the hell out of here. You know, who the hell wants to be in there all bloody mad? So I did my best to break his ankle. I couldn't break it. <laughs> but he had a hell of a sore and swollen ankle. He said he was went to the medic and he had a problem there, but I didn't break it, <laughs> regrettably. But I tried hard. I must have taken about 20, 20 whacks, and he howled like a banshee. Boy, it was, it was unbelievable. Anyway, yeah. So it was it was tough. We got good food. We got extra pay once you became a qualified paratrooper. I think it was another twenty five cents a day. But at that stage, it was fantastic. You know. And boy, were we proud of the unit. And uh, what we were mainly used for was preemptive strikes where we jumped in and attacked bases or that there was, there was a, um, a group of people that might have been doing some patrolling and bumped into the enemy. Then they would fly us in and we would, you know, have a big fight with them. Uh, yeah, so we had, we had a lot of fun, a lot of, lot of fun. Shot a lot of people and had some fantastic people in the unit. It just, you cannot believe that, 
going anywhere with your group, you didn't have to ever ask somebody twice. Or if you asked him to do move up and take that machine gun on the on the western flank, you don't have to tell him twice or check up. He does it. It's fantastic. So I think I was the luckiest. I would hate to be in a ship, for example, where you've got some dwarf captain that makes a bad mistake and you all bloody sink. And, you know, it's, that's not so lekker. I'm, I'd rather be on my own two feet and, and I can run any which way I want. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I'm definitely, I'm sure, I'd love to actually chat about, um, you know, a couple more of the stories that you've got from the, from the army. I'm sure there's and a And just about interest, I never enjoyed jumping. Never, never did. 99? 99 jumps. Yeah, and I, I was so poop scared before I jumped out the door, I think you could stick a six-inch nail into my bum and I wouldn't feel it. So I really never hurt. enjoyed it. Never enjoyed it. But a lot of people do. How high, how high were you when you jumped? How many feet? About a thousand feet. That's quite low, hey? Yeah, sure. but on, the, on our one raid we did at Kasinga, it was about 400. Yeah. There was no chance of us ever opening a, uh, our, our uh, spare parachute. Oh, really? Yeah, no, too, far too low. Pilots duffed it. So, I mean, and what kind of plane were you jumping out of? C-130s, C-140s. Okay, if you could just explain it, explain what it looked like. I mean, is it a big, no, big cabin in the back? Big, a big uh, aircraft for logistics, and they could put seats in. So there'd be about 150 people in the aircraft. And all 150 of you would, would you just out. hop out the yeah. back? yeah. Now we go out the side doors. They used to go out the back, lower the uh, ramp. Yeah. But the guys came together and, and hit each other in the slipstream and get over broken hips and things like that. So then they went out the two side doors. Oh, the I see. Got a little bit further apart. Because the, the prop wash washes you together. Mm, mm. Interesting. And night jumps were an absolute... It's like having a, a bad dream except you're awake. Same thing. <laughs> you don't know when the hell you're going to hit the ground. Tell us about a, a night jump that you, oh, no, you can't I, forget. No, I can never forget any of them. But my first night jump I ever did, I landed on some telephone wires. And I thought I had landed on Mother Earth. <laughs> and then my parachute collapsed and then I fell off the telephone wires. Well, it's about, what, 15 feet? 15, yeah. Yeah, somewhere around about there. And I sat there... I was really knocked around. It just was not pleasant. Sure. Not pleasant at all. But on the other hand, when you're jumping into action, when you, the darker the night, the better. Because then they can't see you to shoot you when you're sitting there down there, sort of getting your breath back and pulling in your, your, your kit and your, getting your rifle ready and what have you. So. I mean, that's a, that, that's a hell of a thing to experience. I mean, we're, you know, when you're jumping out of a plane, you're jumping... You're jumping into this into enemy territory. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you're landing on the ground there and they're after you straight away. Well, no, not quite. You see, the, the big advantage of paratroopers is surprise. So that's why we, under normal circumstances, if you're attacking a place, you need four times the amount of troops than they have defending. Not rule of thumb. But now, with us, we could do it the other way around. A quarter of us could... Could knock the hell out of four times as many troops because we had the, we had supplies on our side. I mean, imagine if you're sleeping, all right, the guards are around, and the next thing is a hundred blokes jump out the sky ready to, 
to kill you. Yeah. You know, you're not going to start looking for for your slippers. You know what I mean? You're just going to head for the bush. Absolutely. Cool. Um, what I'm going to ask you now is I would like to... I'd like to know the principles that you've lived by that have served you well from, from you know, the get-go. And I mean, obviously, you, you know, having you raise me and be the... Oh, Lord. Lord forbid. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, you know, you've, you've, yeah. been, you've been my, you know, my guiding God, life, you know, since you know, I was... As since you know, I was born. I, I've tried to make things very simple in life and for myself. And I've always just said to make life very simple, that lie, cheat or steal... Look people in the eyes when you talk to them and speak up. And really, the, if you can do that, you don't have to do much more. Where, like, okay, so can you give me some examples of where you've used... Because, I mean, that's obviously something you've taught me from... That, that's been the ground rules for me growing up. Um, yeah, okay. You know, where, where have you used that that you've seen, okay, cool, this is, this is where it's got me, this is why it's a positive thing? You know, you know I think it's an attitude, really. I, I was working for a big motor company down in Port Elizabeth. Uh, I was doing quite well, and we were launching a new car product, and our marketing director got absolutely molars drunk at this function. And there was a show afterwards with a whole lot of girls dancing on the stage, and he was making an absolute fool of himself and throwing bread rolls and making a noise. And I went up to him, and, could saw, and I saw immediately that he was absolutely over the top. Drunk and I grabbed him by the ear and escorted him out. And, <laughs> and then he said, do you know who I am? I said, I sure do know who you are. Do you know who I am? And anyway, to cut along, I said, if you don't quieten down and get out of here, I'm going to whack you one. But I got fired as a result because you can't take the marketing director out of the thing with, by the ear. But I was right. So I, I've, I didn't ever feel bad about that. I knew I'd done... Correct. It's simple as that. Don't lie, cheat or steal. Simple as that. And it makes life easy. Yeah. And there's more complicated paths to follow. But well, I mean, that, that doesn't really apply to lie, cheating or stealing, but it, that well, it really it, just means, you know, you stood up for what you yes, believe in. Absolutely. You... I, didn't, I didn't lie. Or, you know what I mean? That, oh, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. What it yeah, is. yeah. So that was very simple in my opinion. Don't lie, cheat or steal. Look people in the eye and speak up. Absolutely. There we are. There we are. Yeah, Simple, no, I think those sweet, are those are very yeah, very, very good good ground rules. Well, it's it's been my motto. Yeah. Cool. So I I also want to hear a little bit about um some of the other rules that you've broken in the past that um that, yeah. that have stuck with no, you and no. pay, either paid off or got you into trouble. What I I can't I will, I've been absolutely like like an angel all my life. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll help you. Tell me, tell me about that time where you, as a as a result of of breaking a couple of rules, you were actually promoted to, to oh, being. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Well, there we are. When I was in the parachute battalion, yeah. I went in as a as a rifleman, became a corporal. Corporal, the as you go up the scale, you get rifleman, lance corporal, corporal. I was promoted to corporal. Uh, and in charge of a bungalow, about 30 guys of all the um, the mortars and the machine gunners and, and that, that sort of thing. So we were a separate bungalow called the support bungalow. And just as a matter of interest, I'd, or, you know, I've always wanted to sort of 
say, I, I've had breakfast in bed in the army. And, you know, you don't get breakfast in bed in the army. But anyway, I decided it'd be a nice thing to say when I'm 89, uh, 79, sorry, <laughs> that I had breakfast in bed. Anyway, I went, at those days, we had our food in what we called farpana, which they just slopped everything into various different little pieces, and off you went. And I w- bribed the, the waiters, the, the bed to please come and bring breakfast to us in bungalow, whatever it was at that stage, and uh, I would uh, grease their palms with a certain amount of money. (laughs) So that was fine. I said to the guys there, let's do this, and they all agreed. And we decided to do it on a Tuesday morning because Tuesday morning was parades. And if we didn't turn up to parade, as long as the whole bungalow didn't, they would assume we were out in the felt. That's what we thought. Anyway, so now it's about 9.30. It was a winter, I remember. It was nice in the bungalow. The sun was streaming in. I had a little separate room up the end. And I heard, and blow me down if the colonel of the whole parachute battalion hadn't come to inspect the bungalows. Whether he was told or whether he just happened to inspect, I don't know. But he he could not believe his eyes. There were 30 (laughs) idle lounging troops in their pyjamas. The place looked like a brothel. It was unbelievable. He nearly blew a fuse there. Anyway, he said, who is in charge here? So I had to pop up and he said, what the hell is going on here? I said, so what does it look like? It's, we're having breakfast in bed. He says, Brett, I don't believe you. He said, you better come to see me in my office immediately. So I had to go down and, and sing my song and he said you know um you you're a troublemaker in this outfit so i said well you know can't be helped but anyway he said this is the punishment you got which happened to be log drills which is you get about four or five people depending on a log and you've got to carry it around on your shoulder left shoulder right shoulder in front of you underneath your arm etc etc so we were attached to these logs and we got them three times a day, morning, noon, and night. So we missed. We had to miss lunch when we did log draw, and uh, we did. And then I don't know what happened. We had a problem. Oh yes, yes, I remember what it was. Then we we got to, we were all confined to barracks, and you know we'd had enough. So I said, well, guys, let's organise a party. Now you you're not allowed to have booze or women on the. On the in the campgrounds in the parachute battalion, but since we were the guards and we could we could do anything we liked, so I went into town and I arranged with the Cecil Hotel. It was the best hotel in Bloemfontein at that stage. For a full bar to come out with snacks and waitresses and the whole lot, and we invited. Then it was Captain Breitenbach, and I can't remember. I think it was Colonel Furry. We said, we're having a party up at the shooting range, which was in the camp. It was just a pistol shooting range. Uh, would you and your wife like to join us? Well, they, they said, yes. So anyway, <laughs> comes along. We, we've allowed all the trucks in. Really good snacks, you know, prawns and the whole kituti. A full bar, you could have any type of whiskey you like. They couldn't believe their eyes. So somebody's going to have to pay for this. But they just were gobsmacked. They just couldn't believe it. Anyway, uh, 
And as, as usual, somebody overdrank one of our guys and he took uh, Captain Breitenbach's car, a little mini miner with uh, looked like a you know, safari type thing. Drove it around the parade ground, skidding around the place and, and crashed into the flagpole. <laughs> well, we thought we couldn't get into any more trouble. Well, we were wrong. So now we've got, we've got uh, log draw, morning, noon and night. And now we had a two, we had one at eight in the evening and we had one at 10 at, in the evening. And then we crashed, as I said, the car. And then we had to change, we had to change uniforms every hour. There was an inspection. Every hour we had to be in a different uniform from PT to full battle dress to uh, step outs. You know, we had to, it was unbelievable. And every time the lieutenant used to come in, we would sing, we hate you, Falconetto. Yes, we do. We hate you, Falconetto. Yes, we do. Shut up. <laughs> we, we didn't shut up. What else can they do to us? Well, they applied, they applied everything. And we were right next door to the medical outfit. And there was a Dr. Klomp, I remember his name. He was in charge. And he saw the guys battling around with log drills at midnight. And he, he came along and spoke to uh, Colonel Faree and said, this is ridiculous, stop it. So, you know, we, we sort of had a bit of a breakthrough. And then he called me in and he said, you know, Brett, you're a bloody troublemaker. It's a pity you weren't uh, on the right side of the law. You could have been a good officer. I said, well, nobody ever asked me to become an officer. So he said, well, would you like to become an officer? I said, yes, certainly. So he says, fine, you're an officer. <laughs> so I got what they call a field promotion. So I never went through officers' training school or anything like that. Yeah, and uh, for the first time in my life, I really enjoyed what I did. I enjoyed the courses. Uh, as a result of me enjoying the courses, I did well. And that's how I, you know, sort of went up in the army. Not because I wanted to, but I just enjoyed it. Simple as that. Oh, that's fascinating, eh? Jeez, and, and... Well, everybody needs a break somehow. Yeah. What, what, what caused you to, to want to cause trouble like that? I mean, were you, even, were you even the leader of that group at that time? Or was that... Yes. No, I was, because I was corporal. I was the bungalow... Okay. Buff, it was called a bungalow bill. Why did you want to cause... Why did you want to break the rules like that? Well, what caused, what caused you to want to do that? To have breakfast in bed wasn't really breaking the rule against the army it it was just something yeah yeah you just wanted to do it yeah because you know we used to get up at dawn yeah. and you know work our rear ends off all day just imagine having a nice day in bed <laughs> at the pleasure of the, of the army you know and like oh i forgot to tell you we had a special breakfast made so we had fried eggs and bacon and all that sort of stuff so it was it was really lekker it was just something to do you know Absolutely, yeah. Jeez, different times. Yeah, yeah. Different times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. What, what next? The, oh, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned something last night, um, you know, that you engineer your own luck. What are your thoughts on that? And how do you, how do, you do that? How do you engineer luck in this well, world? Well, Mara, as you know, I've always said to you, who's number one in your life? And your number one is yourself. 
try to always improve yourself. In your case, continue with your Spanish. Don't leave it sort of 15, 20% dangling there. Become fluent in Spanish. It's good for you. It's, it's good for you to run. Not just run, everybody can run, run well. It's good for you to be strong, not just a little bit so you can pick up a teacup, but be above average. Um, look after yourself. Improve yourself. Always think about, is this going to improve me? Because if it improves you, your life will then benefit. Yeah. For example. No, absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned that they're, they're going to open up in Berlin and, and wherever the place. Imagine if you were fluent in German. You'd, have a, you'd be a rung higher than anybody else. If you could already speak German, they might say, Molo, won't you go over there and open up the German thing? If they're going to open up in, in Spain, oh, by the way, we see you speak Spanish. Won't you go and open up the Spanish one? Yeah, yeah. So it's to your advantage. Okay. So look after yourself. All right. Engineer yourself. People just. So what what does that consist life. of? I, I'll well, I'll say definitely what I've learned from you is that it consists of health. Health is the the bottom line. If you haven't got uh, your health, yeah. you've got nothing else. I hundred percent agree. Absolutely. So let, let's speak. Let's speak about that. What have you What have you done in your life to to live a healthy life? If that's the because that's obviously the bottom. The bottom line, and I mean, you've got to the age of seventy nine. Yeah, Lord and, only knows and how. Still, I'm, I'm and you're still, still you're still looking sprightly. I'm, I'm, Cogs yeah. are turning just as they were yeah, when yeah, you were twenty five. Yeah, 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 I was when I went the other day to uh, Howick. I walking across the park park place, and I thought, hell, I'm feeling good. I just hope I'd see somebody messing around with a car. I'd beat the shivered out of them. But unfortunately, nobody was messing around. But then I'm still feeling good. Whether I could produce the goods, I better get a good shot in first. Otherwise, I'll probably get wiped all over the car park. But still, that's another story. No, so what, health what, is most yeah. important. But what, what, are the elements, what are the elements of health that you've, well, you've stuck to? All right, well, let's... Let me tell you, first of all, the elements that I haven't stuck to. I hated greens most of my life. I hated all vegetables, and I do not like fruit. So I eat bread, potato, butters and ri- butter and rice and, and meat, which I have done all my years. Just recently, because of my advanced age, I've eaten a few greens, <laughs> which I'm actually quite enjoying. But it's only the last, what, how many, five years have I eaten anything? any greens and I, I do not eat well I love chilies I, I just love chili um, and garlic chili and garlic so you eat what you what you feel like what your body I feel needs like, yeah yeah and, and so far maybe it's just we, we all get a, a number out of a lucky pot and that's your health and there's your health and you know it just gets issued but I'm, I'm exceedingly healthy well exceedingly healthy you know I'm, I'm not hanging on to life with a fingernail so, yeah. Okay, so that's, that's eating. What about exercise? Yeah, I've never smoked. Or when I say never smoked, I, I smoked when I wasn't supposed to. And I used to look at myself in the mirror at the age of about eight, I think. And <coughs> thought, thought I'd arrived. Yeah, I used to smoke Max because men of the world smoked Max. <laughs> so I reckon I'd arrived. And I only smoked when I could, there was a mirror around. Um, and and I've nice. never been a boozer i i certainly drink alcohol but not a lot and 
certainly not not to excess. Yeah, I mean, I've never ever seen you drunk in my life. So, which is, I think, you know, that's a that's an amazing thing actually for me never ever to have seen. I've never enjoyed you it. or mum yeah. drunk in my life. Yeah, no, that's a. It's not usual. It's yeah. not a usual thing. Really? Okay, well, I wouldn't know. No, it but I mean, it's just you lose control of yourself. It's just totally stupid. Totally stupid, in my opinion. Yeah, and I've always enjoyed fitness and health. And, um, yeah, the things you've got to look after are, are really your heart, your lungs, your and the blood, and not that you can really do much, but do things that are intelligent and sensible. Mm. And not destroy yourself. I mean, drugs, for example. Oh, my God. There's, there's only one thing worse than drugs. And that's two drugs, you know. It, it, it's just so stupid. If you're that pathetic that you can't enjoy life, throw, throw the towel in. Go and bite the dirt somewhere. <laughs> yeah, jeez. No, I think it would. To me, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and excessive drinking it falls into the same slot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, think there's there's interesting things to be said about drugs because I don't think all drugs should be painted as I am drugs. Not a, not a drugs aficionado, but it just seems to me that people that do it just are just weak willed, you know, miserable little twerps. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, no, I can understand that. But I'm That's from, interesting I'm, I'm close to I'm closer to a dinosaur than I am to you. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, you know, the way the way the world's going. These days, there's there's a lot of people, for example, which I think is, is quite an interesting thing. Microdosing LSD with, or, or acid is a huge thing in Silicon Valley. And Silicon Valley is, is the biggest. And when I say Silicon Valley, I'm talking about the, the Silicon Valley tech companies. You know, the people who yeah, are building yeah. the, the, the next wave of or the next generation of technology. A lot of them are microdosing acid, LSD. To, to help them to open up their yeah. their mind in certain ways. I don't really know how you know but what the mechanism is. There but are people that can open up their minds without it. And I would like to take a photograph of, of all those people that take microdosing of LSD, take a photo and say, would you like these as your friends? Not me, thank yeah, you. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I just, I think it's an interesting yeah, point. You know, yeah. the way... The way no, no, people must do what they want. I just wish there would be less people in the world. And I'm hoping that Corona takes a good bite out of the population, but it's not doing too well. Let's give it a sporting chance. <laughs> you know, we've got 7 billion people. We yep. need to get 3.5 billion bumped off. Simple as that, to bring the world back to a bit of equilibrium, in my humble opinion. Mm -hmm. So, this is, this is a bit of a stranger question. Um, you know, I mean, you, you've raised me as an atheist so and and mom well, well, not raised me as an atheist but you've given me the option to believe no, in we, whatever we, it is that no, i want to believe in shoved religion down your throat so you've never been religious no i mean i was i was uh baptized and uh what do you call what's the next one up oh jeez whatever it no is idea. I, I was done so as far as i'm concerned the, the gates of heaven were open but <laughs> i i never really wanted to go in so yeah, that 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 sort of um, you know I can understand that you know a lot of people live life um, you know not believing in God and I, I I for one also don't believe in God but what do you think is out there? Well, Marla, I think 
let's put it, I'm not an atheist as such, I'm an agnostic, a non-believer. And there, I'm very happy to believe that there is a, a, a greater power. And I'm happy to call that greater power God for the lack of another name. But don't tell me that God made you with one wonky ear and, and one wonky eye and all that. If, if God is all-powerful, then, then he's bloody sleeping on the job. Mm. You know, you can't. And, and there are people you know as well as I do in the, in the family that one of the, one of the children has got, uh, what has she got? Multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis. And, and, the, and, and the folks are absolutely devout religious people. Mm. And God will cure her. Well, he hasn't done so, so far. And he's, he's actually gone to sleep on this job here. And when I said to the person the other day, well, where's God helping? Not helping you. Oh, boy, that was, that was fat in the fire. It doesn't work like yeah. that as no, far as um, I'm concerned. So well, how does it work for you? What, what, what is it? I believe what is it? it? I believe that we're probably about the same importance as a piece of bacteria and blue cheese. We think we're absolutely <laughs> fantastic. We are less than sweet blow all. We arrive and we depart. And all we do is just leave a little bit of uh, compost if, if we don't get... Uh, cremated and if you get cremated all you do is cause a bit of pollution in the air rather get cremated give the worms a chance you know i mean get buried give the worms a chance and and that is the, that is all we're actually less than nothing and we think yeah. we're so important but we are important to ourselves so look after yourself don't be stupid and drink yourself to death or drugs or go and chop a foot off or whatever look after yourself improve yourself as a piece of bacteria. Simple as that. So have your life, kick the bucket, and that's it. Who knows? If, if we do come back again, I sure as hell don't know where I've been, so it makes no difference where I'm going. Absolutely. That's the way I look at it. Okay. So then, the, to, to sort of build on that a little bit, if we all have the same thing in common that we are on this earth and we are here to pass time, why do some people pass time that you know, more impactful than other people? You know, why do some people live lives that, that you know, everyone would say is, is great and, you know, people look up to this person, you know, might be... Well, Marlo, you know... Elon Musk, for example. Yeah, is, is, is it great? I don't know. No, I, I, I've got a suggestion. I mean, I, I think I told you I had coffee with Elvis Presley. Now, there was Elvis Presley, probably the greatest person in the world at that stage. Was he any happier, any better than me? It was not too long afterwards that he, he fell to drugs. So is he better than me? That I'm as clean as <laughs> it's all hell, but I haven't got a lifestyle like he did or a pink Cadillac. So, you know, we, we can't judge. All I'm saying is look after what you've got on, on you, in your, in the, which includes a brain and a, arms and legs, etc., etc. Do the best you can. Improve yourself. Yeah. Which brings me to another thing. We cannot carry on the way we are treating this earth. You know, we, we go in and we get Kentucky Fried Chicken or chickens at the supermarket. If you saw how these chickens were bred and slaughtered and all that, it's disgusting. And yet as children we teach you always be kind to animals and pigs. 
and dairy. I mean, dairy, the, the cattle, they produce an infant and two days later, that calf is taken away. The mother hadn't bonded, the calf hasn't bonded. And we just make it produce milk from dawn to dusk every day. Mona, we cannot go on being cruel to animals like that. What's the problem? Too many people. We have to do this mass thing. This monoculture that we're doing is, is no good. It's, it's satisfying the problem at the moment, but we've got to come to, we being human beings, have got to come to a sticky end the way we're going. We can't go on like this. We yeah. can't have 14 billion people. Probably in your lifetime, you won't be able to afford to buy fish. There's just no more fish in the sea. They're, they're already battling with, with the shortage of fish. And they're already growing, having fish farms in the ocean. And those fish farms, they find that they're, having, they're getting heavy metals in the fish now. And the fish are becoming to, to grow two heads and things like that. We, we're really pushing the bounds. And it's basically one thing. Too many people. Simple as that. Is it, yeah. <coughs> is it the, the, the people that live in the jungles or the people that live in cities that are causing more trouble? Very practically, it's the people in the cities. They're producing, they have water, they have electricity, they have freezers, they want the finest uh, yeah. smoked tramp, salmon or whatever the case is. These are the people that are demanding huge footprints on yeah. this earth. Whereas... But so, then where does that leave us? Because, you know, I mean, this is, this is a problem that I've been very aware of for a couple of years now. You know, it, it, you sort of, you've got to find a balancing act between technology, and I'm going to say technology on one hand, and nature on the other yeah, hand. Yeah. Because the one is progress, <coughs> and the one, right, is, yes. the one is getting destroyed as a result of the progress. Oh, no, we can only go one way. We can only go to progress. Yeah, but then as a result of going towards progress... It's destroying the the nature, destroying the it earth. It is. It is. And but what choice? What choice do we have? You know what I mean? Like if if you don't if you don't go towards the the progress, if you if you don't if you're not on the boat of technology, I'm just going to say technology into mm. in progress. Mm. If you're not on that boat, you're getting left behind. Absolutely. And but as a result of being on that boat, you are having a you yourself are actually having a, a negative effect on the nature on mm. on the planet. Mm. Mono, so where, you, where, does it, where does it leave us? Where, where do you see... Oh, look, I'm not, I'm not up into that stratosphere to make a, a no, decision. No, but I mean, I'm, I'm just interested in your but, opinion on it. But why do you think they're getting ready to go and colonize Mars? Because they can see that we're heading in one direction and that's a big downward on Earth. We're going to actually kill everybody on Earth. So they want to get a group away. They all say, oh, well, it's in case a big... Uh, uh, meteorite hits the earth and kills us all. We're going to kill ourselves long before a meteorite hits here. So they want to get a group of people mm. that off this earth so we, we, we perpetuate. I think that we are going to. It's going to happen rapidly and, and it's going to happen with things like corona and with ap epidemics and plagues and things like that. The closer people become, the far easier it is for those germs and, and bugs to jump onto, onto everybody and cause it an absolute plague. But I mean, this corona, pathetic. It's, it's, it's less than... It's just less than the average flu epidemic. It really is. Mm. 
No, no. I mean, in terms of in terms of the amount, you know, the effect it's had on killing a number of people, you know, it hasn't really killed that many people. No. But what has been very, very interesting, I think, is that, you know, with with the complete global shutdown for that period of time, and it's already started to come mm. back, but for that brief time where there was a global shutdown, there was a huge break on the pressure that we were putting on nature, and Absolutely. and you know, there was for the first time in in a long time, I could see the stars extremely clearly in Johannesburg because well, the air had cleared. I think it was some somewhere in India they could see the mountains for the first time. They could time see the Himalayas and yeah twenty from Delhi years. I think it was. No, we all realized that. But who's going to do what about it? Who's well, going I mean, to do what? There's, you can't go and kill everybody or no. say everybody over sixty I'm afraid you've got to swallow this tablet or whatever the case is. You can't. So we are going to rock and roll down the road and we're going to plunge off the edge in one way or another. Whether it's, it's a plague or an epidemic or, you know, world wars are great. They kill millions of people. Keeps the planet going. I mean, I was horrified to hear that in Italy, the, the deaths of COVID, I think it's over 100,000, let's call it 100,000, but over 50% of the people were over 86 years old. So, I mean, they're, they're teetering on brink of mm, death anyway. Mm. They should just get pushed off. So what's the big deal about it? So 100,000 people. How many thousand people get killed a day? Well, let's bring it back to South Africa. There's 58 murders a day in South Africa and three co- corona deaths. Now, mm. how many motor accidents? Are they going to stop us driving motor cars because there's motor accidents? I no, we. I'm afraid we just got to go along with it. <laughs> yeah, no, we're heading with towards the heading towards yeah. the apocalypse. Yeah. yeah, how it's going to happen, I don't know, but sure, it's going it's to be interesting. Apples, it's going to happen. Absolutely, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely. But agree. that's an uninformed, nincompoop attitude. Yeah, no, not really. There was another thing I I actually I brought up the, the sort of the existential um part of the conversation to, to try and get to a point. Um, you told me a story once where you were in the army and you were engaged in some sort of skirmish um, with some enemy troops and they were shooting at you, you were shooting at them and you told me that you mm. levitated above mm. your body. You, you sort of saw yourself mm. from mm. above, you know, yes. the ground. Yes. What happened there? I'd love to hear the story and, I'd, you know, I'd, I'm just interested to know what you think that was, or what, what you know, what, how could you explain that? Because, I mean, that, that's something unexplainable. Yeah, 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 it is. Just a bit of background, we'd done an attack on a big camp. There were a lot of, tri- lot of enemy troops there, I believe about 2,500, and there were 450 of us. Anyway, we used surprise again, and we attacked them, and I was coming in from the east with my guys, and... We kept we were, we were drawing a lot of fire, and there was particularly I remember there was a sniper that we couldn't find, and he kept shooting, and the leaves kept falling on me. He was, he was shooting high, so he was shooting high, and the leaves were dropping on me, and everybody was saying, "Get down, get down." I had no fear, not because I wasn't fearful of dying, but I actually felt I was maybe thirty meters above my body. 
And I could see myself down there. So I was safe because I was out of the line of fire. And it was just this body that belonged to me, but I wasn't with it, was down the bottom. And yeah, it was the most extraordinary thing because I really gave that a lot of thought afterwards. It was very, very real to me at the time. I haven't spoken much about it to people, but uh, yeah. it was, as I was say, about 30 meters above, and I could see myself there so clearly. Like you, you look at things from a drone. Like it was there. Yeah, no, clear, you know, yeah. absolutely. Like looking That's... at things from a drone point of view. So that was hmm. interesting. So it wasn't that I was brave. Not at all. Talking about brave, to give you another little story, which is just dropped into my field of vision. Yeah. I was uh, chairman of the Ornithological Society at Hilton. And if you were chairman, you got invited to go to Mola Mola, which was owned by Wack Campbell of Mount Edgecombe Estates. And you, you became a camp commandant, which means bugger all, that you got to do all the shitty jobs. <laughs> and uh, one of the things was they, they had a, somebody had wounded a leopard and uh, that said it was walking around the camp at night, so it was highly uh, dangerous for people. So they shot a baboon and they put it in a big bear trap to catch this leopard, which they did catch. And they were, it was reported that the leopard was caught in the trap. So I am now camp commandant. I've got to go and shoot it. And uh, sure. Wack Campbell said to me, yeah, just take a two-two and shoot it in the eye so you don't ruin the skin. Okay, fine. You know, I didn't know what the hell was what. Jeez. So I got, I got the, it has a Willie's Jeep in those days. And I had about eight dudes jump on the vehicle. They all wanted to come and see this. So we stopped the car because I had to go down a gully. And uh, oh, I must have been 50 meters away. I got to about 25 meters from the leopard. And this thing just went mad in the trap. It was the most awesome sound you can ever imagine <laughs> all turned around and headed for the hills they were off like a jewish foreskin <laughs> gone and i must tell you this is very truthfully that i was so scared that my legs turned to water that i just i couldn't move i really i wanted to run with the rest of them but my legs wouldn't work they thought it was bravery <laughs> it was not my legs just turned to water I couldn't move. Anyway, we finally shot this thing, but it was only held Shame. by three toes, eh? Sure. In that trap, so it could have Shame. come out. Yeah, yeah. So That's anyway, not, not a nice yeah. thing to do, but a not great a, story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, yeah, that was my bravery effort, but it wasn't bravery from a genuine point of view. <laughs> my legs wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, nice. Anyway, and on the same on the same thing that I and I keep quiet. The no. same thing, or that same trip with that leopard that was coming around the camp at night. I had a case of jippo guts and I had to go to the toilet. Now, everybody was told immediately after dinner, you all had to take your rifles to dinner straight into your bungalow. Well, I had jippo guts and the toilet was outside the camp. This is Molomai, it was outside the camp. It had a zigzag door, you know, one of those things, no doors. And there I'm sitting on the john and I heard a noise. Ooh. And in my imagination, I saw this leopard stick his head around the corner. I was quite prepared to jump into that toilet. Do you know that? 
a long drop. I was quite prepared to jump in, and I found out it wasn't a leopard. It was a, it was a little lizard. <laughs> but then, no, I wasn't blessed with a lot of lot of bravery there. I tell you. Anyway, nice. No, thanks, Dad. No, I appreciate that. I think. Um... Okay, sorry. While I'm on a roll, my mind mm. thinks of it. No, that same it. trip reported that uh, there was a big snake in a dead tree in the camp. Please fix it. So I get a ladder, I get a stick, I get a sack, I put some old motor car oil on the sack, light the sack, climb up, stick it into a hole to smoke this big snake out. Well, the big snake went up the tree, it was a dead tree, and it fell out. And it was a, it was a python, and it was a mud of a python. It fell onto me because I'm looking into this hole here, you see, and the thing fell on me. It must have weighed 100 kgs, knocked me off the ladder. I fell off the ladder. The python fell out of the tree. Everybody scattered, but it was like throwing a whole bunch of raisins into the air. Everybody disappeared every which way. So there was no bravery in that either. If I could have got out of there, I would have. Oh dear. Yeah, something like that. Nice, thanks. <laughs> okay. Well I think we should start wrapping it up, but um to just to end, what advice would you give people? You know, you know, people my age, um or or around there younger, who who are just sort of starting out their life. Well, I'm very disappointed that you asked that question. That means that a hundred times that I've told you what to do. No, no, no. This isn't stuck at all. No. 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 (laughs) Marla, improve yourself every available opportunity. Enjoy life. It's not going to come around again. Enjoy it. You've got the choice in life. Look after yourself. Improve yourself every which way. If you can do push-ups in the morning, do them. It's for your benefit. If you can learn Spanish, do it. It's for your benefit. It'll, it, it will benefit you later on. Simple as that. And, and as I say, don't lie, cheat or steal. And carry on, but enjoy your life. Don't let one thing, power, become your master or the desire for billions of rand become your master. It doesn't make you happy. Aim for happiness. Yeah. Whatever. So you think happiness? Happiness is the is the sort of the ultimate goal. No, not the ultimate, but it's certainly one of the top ones. You need happiness. You need health. You need a partner. Not always, but a partner certainly amplifies things. It certainly amplifies the bad times too. So if you get, you know, if you if you got a girlfriend that t- turns you on, that's fantastic. But when they turn you off, it's also dreadfully fantastic. You know. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, there's a yin and a yang for, for just about everything. But try and keep mm, on absolutely. the positive side and look after yourself. We're only here once, so enjoy it. So don't come to me and whinge and whine and say, life's been cruel to you. You've been cruel to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. We've heard it. Super. You're only here once. Enjoy it. There we are. Cheers. Dad, thank you very much. Pleasure. Pleasure, Pointy. Hello, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode, and I hope you gained some insight from my dad. You know, he's um, he's lived an amazing life. He's 79 years old, been on the planet for a hell of a long time, 
and um, yeah, he's seen a lot of things, done a lot of things, and had a lot of experience. So I hope you gained something valuable out of that, and um, yeah, if you did, please share it with someone else, if you think someone else can find it valuable, uh, send it to them, and um, yeah, I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.